This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. Hey, listeners, it's Phil Mackey. We're talking Minnesota sports five days a week on Mackey and Judd with Rami, available on Apple, Spotify, the Score North app, or anywhere else you find podcasts. If you're tight on time today and you can only listen to one segment from today's show, here it is. All right, Mackey and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North and the Score North app, which is free to download, by the way, Apple, totally Spotify, free. Uh, anywhere you can find uh, apps. And uh, every Thursday at this time, we welcome in our football-loving journeyman quarterback friend, Sage Rosenfels, for some Sage football wisdom. And Sage, I think we've come a long way in the last three weeks since the Vikings' embarrassment in Chicago. What did, what did you learn about the Vikings in these last two weeks, culminating with that uh, blowout win over Philadelphia? Well, in particular, that Philadelphia game, I mean, I really look at this game as a, not, not a playoff game, but you know, a game that would... Uh, have some big implications in the playoffs, uh, you know, down the line, you know, 10 weeks from now, uh, even though it's early in the season, just because, you know, the Eagles are going to be one of those teams, I believe, that's, uh, you know, eight to 10 win ball club. Uh, they're going to be in the mix. And so it wasn't just a, a victory for the Vikings, but to, to defeat another team uh, that has a good chance of making the playoffs as well is almost like two wins. And so that was huge. I, I, I think. We, we saw the sort of the best of the Vikings on Sunday. That's about as good as Kirk Cousins will play. The offensive line was fantastic, both in run in the running game uh, and in pass protection. And obviously, the defense was outstanding. And so, if they play like that, you know, this is sort of the the vision of Spielman, the vision of Mike Zimmer. Uh, when the Vikings are at their best, if they can play like that, they will be uh, somebody that will be really tough to beat when it comes playoff time. So, Sage, what things did you see in that game in particular? that can be kept up, too, because the game plan was, I thought, great. Obviously, the quarterback played on the, in that game great, but what things did you see now that are, are transferable, especially on offense, uh, to other games against good defenses? Well, interesting enough, you know, that team was averaging, uh, giving up only 63 yards rushing going into the game, and the Vikings ran for about 120, so they pretty much doubled uh, what the Eagles have been given up uh, so far this year. Now, it's interesting as they play the Lions this week, the Lions are giving up about 130, 140 yards a game on the ground. So, I mean, it looks like the Vikings should be able to run you know, wild on this team. But I got to think the Lions uh, and future teams are going to say, you know, we're not going to lose by Dalvin Cook, who, by the way, is leading the NFL at six yards per touch, whether it's a catch uh, or a rush. He is leading the NFL right now. So I got to think teams are going to say, if, if we're going to lose to the Vikings, it's because Kirk Cousins, you know, somehow beats us. And, and if that's, you know, Kirk and, and Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, they got to be extremely happy. I mean, the Vikings saw a ton of great coverages last week for throwing the football and, and the offense. And, and with that offensive line, they took advantage of that. So, uh, you know, that is, uh, that is to me sort of the, what other teams will try to do the Vikings is stop the run first, force them to throw the football. Uh, and, and then, you know, obviously the Vikings have to have Thielen and, and, and dig come through, and in particular that offensive line. What I loved about Kevin Stefanski last week is, you know, I went I went and watched that game a couple times, went back through it, and just sort of each pass was, you know, describe each pass. What type of pass is it? You, you have your quick game, your three step, your your sort of one step, get the ball right right to the wide receiver. You got your play action with the tight ends. 
staying in. You have your bootlegs, your actual just regular five and seven step straight drop back passes, um, and your screens, you know, your, your multiple different types of passes. What I loved about that game plan is that Kirk threw 29 passes. Nine of them were drop back. All right. They had, he had about eight, uh, quick game. He had six or seven play actions. He had about six bootlegs and they threw three screens. I mean, that is a nice mix, uh, to keep the defense off, off guard and, 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 and off balance. And, uh, you know, when, when you, when you just straight drop back, you know, 20 or 25 times in a football game, that is extremely tough on an offensive line. I loved how they mixed it up uh, offensively and with Kevin Stefanski this, this past week. Did you think the Vikings were going to let this one slip away when the Eagles threw up 14 unanswered and all of a sudden it was a, a one-touchdown game? And how impressed were you that they took those shots from a good football team, snatched the momentum back, and, and closed them out? Well, a good team and a great quarterback. I, I'm a big believer in Carson Wentz. I think he's fantastic, and, and he did not look – uh, like like the Pro Bowl quarterback that he is on Sunday. So that's obviously really good news. Listen, the Vikings defense is phenomenal and they're not going to be great all year, but they are really good. They have they have fantastic players at all three levels at at safety, uh at uh at linebacker. You know, Kendricks I think is playing absolutely fantastic. And the D line is playing as good as they played in a couple of years. I think Everson Griffin uh is maybe having one of the best years of his career. You're seeing some serious push uh, against that left tackle, you're seeing quickness. You're seeing uh, jump the snap. So you know the defense is playing extremely well. The question is, can the offense stay consistent? You know, can they run the football and also beat them in the passing game? And and we saw sort of the full package on Sunday. We saw the potential of this football team on Sunday. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that. Uh, unfolds as the season progresses. Sage football wisdom here on Mackie and Judd with Rami. By the way, you can hear Sage Rosenfels every Monday and Wednesday on Purple Daily at 2 o'clock live or anywhere you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Score North app. So I think it's fair to say that we've been hard on Kirk Cousins so far this year and, and culminating with that Chicago game a couple weeks ago. And Kirk has bounced back and played extraordinarily well against the Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles. But but since we've been so hard on Kirk Cousins, and by the way, I think we've been we've been fairly hard on on Kirk Cousins. It, it hasn't been unfair criticism. What is the most positive and nicest thing you can say about Kirk Cousins' game, Sage Rosenfeld? Um. Well, he's extremely accurate. At least, at least he was the other day. You know what? What I loved uh, about that game, and and he's still the first. The first deep ball he threw in that football game was he had a wide-open Stephon Diggs on a post route, and Stephon had about two steps on the corner, and he overthrew him. Uh, and we saw that in the Bears game. Early on, he overthrew Adam Thielen and, and sort of set the tone for the rest of the game. I loved how Kirk fought back and up hitting those deep balls, and it was extremely accurate on him, and they ended up being big scorers in the football game. So I, uh, I, I think it's great that we're seeing some resiliency out of him. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously he's, he's never been on a team that is this good, that has this many good players around him. And I, I love the fact that we saw some resiliency there. Uh, and we saw that sort of, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins, uh, you know, sort of going to the depths of his gut uh, and trying to come back after he knew he had some bad games early in the season. That this team needs him, and he has responded very well the last two weeks. Okay, Sage, you're a very smart guy, so help me out. How do we begin to even within a semblance fix officiating right now because what we saw in that Lions-Packers game was a joke and if that was a one-off one-game thing I'd be like you know that's too bad but there's a lot of games and blah 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 but the last week Sage um, Chiefs-Texans Packers 
Lions, Seahawks, Browns, and we can go through every week three or four games that that are adversely impacted by the one thing that almost should never happen, and that's officiating. Well, you you know we should blame for all of this the strength and conditioning coaches for, of all of high school, college, and the pros because these guys have gotten so big and so fast that I just don't think the the human eye and the human brain can can keep up with how quick this game is going. So that's who to blame for this whole thing. It's not the officials. It's not their fault. I tell you what, this, you know, I, I've been around a lot of, you know, team doctors and people that are on the sidelines for games, and they'll tell you that you just don't realize how incredibly fast this game is until you're actually down the field. And I'm blown away about how well the officials actually do uh, that they don't that they don't miss that many calls, but when when they do, uh, they can have a huge impact on the game. And it's a shame. I'm not sure if we just sort of go to the, you know, the cloud thing where where we replay everything. That seems to be, uh, you know, that would be too ridiculous. We'd be stopping the game all the time. No one would like that. Um, I don't know what to do about it. It's you don't want, to, of course, you don't want officials really being a part of the game. You hope to go through an entire football game and almost notice, not even notice that they're there. Uh, but at the end of the day, they're going to make some mistakes, and you just hope that they make those mistakes more in the first quarter and less in the fourth quarter. I've been advocating since since this whole thing has, has come up for the eye-in-the-sky idea, Sage, and not stopping the game in between every play to review it, but when things are egregious and immediately correctable, like we saw Monday night with those two hands-to-the-face hands calls, a referee can just buzz down to the, to, the, to the field official and say, yeah, you missed that one. Referee turns on his mic. He says there was no hands-to-the-face on the call. Penalty is overturned, fourth down. Like, I think it could be that easy, and you don't have to overcomplicate it. And like you said, humans can't keep up with this, so let's use the technology to get as few mistakes as possible and be as accurate as referees can be. Yeah, I'm okay with that. It has to be a swift process, something that doesn't take more than, you know, 20 or 30 seconds, I'd like to think. And with how many cameras now are NFL games, uh, you know, they see pretty much everything. And you like to think that, yeah, somebody, the eye in the sky, whatever it might be, an extra official upstairs that's seen all these replays would have that sort of executive power to override every, anything that's on the field and, and make that decision right there and then. Uh, and they could buzz down to the, to the main official. But you know, that, that, that would not even be a perfect process. Nothing is perfect. At the end of the day, it's a game uh, that is uh, played by humans as officialed by humans, coached by humans, and, and we're all very fallible. So, you know, players fumble into interceptions, and, and officials basically fumble into interceptions in the web as well. And I, to be honest with you, I'm not sure exactly how it's, uh, how it's solved, and, and I don't think it would ever be solved. It's just a part of the game. By the way, the fact that you think Daniil Hunter is a human is amazing, because I, <laughs> I think he's a machine. By the way, Daniil Hunter has the most sacks of any player under the age of 25 in NFL history. Digest that for a second. He is the Terminator. I was down in that, that Bears locker room after the game, and, and I, you know, he was walking by, and, and uh, it didn't it didn't take me very long to figure out who it was. I didn't have to go like, well, is that so and so player that I've never seen before? Is that so and so? That was Daniil Hunter. He jumps out on the, on the television set at, at you. Uh, you know, they're not. I played with Jason Taylor, who sort of had his build in the sense of his body type. But Daniel Hunter's arms are twice as wide. They're twice as you know strong. So, uh, yeah, he is a freak of nature. And uh, until people, again, until people are actually on the field for a football game or, or have a chance to go into a locker room and interview players, you just don't realize how big these guys are. You know, when I played, I was 6'4 and a half, about 225 to 230. <laughs> and I always thought I was the scrawny, skinny guy you know, out there uh, about to get pummeled all the time. 
not really realizing I'm actually a pretty big guy. So uh, it's because I was around guys like Daniel Hunter or Linval Joseph, who are just you know mountains of men, and and uh, uh, it's, it's just amazing how big these NFL players okay. are. Does that ever? And I know that now it's 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 probably easier to be comfortable as a quarterback now because you 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 don't have to worry as much about headhunters and the rules protect quarterbacks now, but. I mean, when you're standing back in a pocket and there are 275 pound dudes who run four six forties trying to essentially, you know, remove you from your family, and, and half of them are on your blind side. You right. don't even see them coming. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, like, how much do you think about that as a quarterback when you're dropping back and also trying to scan to where you're supposed to throw the ball? Um, well, you, you, you go to that's why you do all like the seven on seven type stuff. Is that you hope. Uh, and you have to just sort of trust that those guys are going to get the job done. The guys up in front of the offensive line, and and uh, you just hope that uh, and you can't worry about it. And and you know some people have great feel. You know the Tom Brady's and the Aaron Rodgers. They just have such unbelievable feel in the pocket. And I had a college quarterback coach who once taught me. You know, playing quarterback, being in that pocket, is like walking across a major interstate uh, at, at rush hour. You know, five lanes here, then five lanes on the other side, and. And you have a couple people who are out and around you trying to stop traffic so no one hits you. But you just have to sort of walk across, keep your eye on the target uh, on the other side of the interstate, and just hope and pray that nobody, uh, none of those cars hit you. And that was always the best analogy that I could come up with. You have to trust that those that those big guys up front are going to stop traffic for you and uh, that you can get across safely. Come on, Sage. From the press box, it looks so simple. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it looks so simple. You got so much time. I mean, the play develops. You can see the whole thing, right? Yeah, get rid of the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the amazing thing. Is of course, you know, when you watch games, TV just does not do the game justice. It doesn't do hockey justice either. You know, real life uh, watching the game is, is, is so much better. And uh, it, it's amazing as a quarterback, you stand amongst these four, five, six guys trying to kill you. But you're not even trying to pay attention to them. You're trying to look downfield, read the coverages, and find the open receiver. Uh, I always look at it as that you know the football in my hands is like a hot potato. Who wants this thing? Who wants that? <laughs> because we're not going to get anywhere closer to the goal line uh, the longer that ball is in my hands. And I tell you what, we saw a little bit of, uh, with Kirk Cousins um, on uh, on Sunday. We, he was getting the ball out quick, and I, I think that offensive line uh, was probably very appreciative of that. And, uh, and they did a great job protecting him, only giving up one sack uh, in his 29 attempts. Right on. Sage Rosenfels, that's Sage Football Wisdom here on Mackey and Judd with Ryan. And again, you can find Sage every Monday and Wednesday on Purple Daily with Matthew Collar, 2 o'clock live or anywhere you find your favorite podcast. So, all right, we'll talk again next week, Sage. All right, guys, sounds great. All right, before we come back and talk about some brash comments from Andrew Wiggins, Minnesota United opens up the MLS Cup playoffs this Sunday at Allianz Field against the LA Galaxy, and Score North is looking to send you to a game. We want to send you to that playoff game. Here's how you can enter. Just have the Score North app. Download it for free in the Google Play or Apple stores. Be registered, and then enter through Listener Rewards for your chance to win a pair of tickets to this Sunday's first-ever playoff game at Allianz Field you can also hear that game right here on Score North on 1500scorenorth.com and the Score North app with pregame beginning at 7 o'clock. Uh, let's come back and uh, hear from Andrew Wiggins or at least read some quotes that are interesting. Mackie and Jeb with Robin. This view was worth a hike. Right? And it's a good way to stay on top of my health. Yes. I'm Colaguard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk. 
Have you screened for colon cancer? Not yet. Don't wait. It's more treatable when caught in early stages. Tell me more. Cologuard is non-invasive and it's used at home. It detects altered DNA in your stool to find 92% of colon cancers. 92%? Yep, even those in early stages. This was seen in a clinical study with patients 50 and older. Any positive result should be followed by a diagnostic colonoscopy. False positive and negative results may occur. Cologuard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer. Most insured patients pay zero dollars. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Cologuard is right for you, or visit Cologuard.com. I'm in.